And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. It is our first live playoff show of the 2021 postseason. Derek Van Riper, Britt Giroli, Eno Saris here with you for the next 30 minutes or so. Maybe it turns into an hour. Who knows? If we're having fun, we'll hang around. We're here to answer questions and break everything down happening in today's AL wildcard game. And we're going to try and make predictions for the entire playoffs, which is risky. And uh, as we've learned on the show over the course of the season, not something that we do particularly well. But we have fun doing it, and that's the important thing. So let's get going. Let's just start diving right in. The playoffs are here. I couldn't be more excited we know a little bit about what's going to happen this week. Of course, two wild card games on tap. Yankees Red Sox goes down tonight. Dodgers Cardinals on Wednesday night. We got the White Sox Astros series beginning on Thursday. Braves Brewers on Friday. And then, of course, the winner of the wild card games also starting Thursday, Friday in those leagues. Hold on, DVR. We've already got the most important question of the morning. Oh. <laughs> James Rogers asks. This is a great question. Did DVR get his coffee yet, or are we going to get the ass? Yes, I. It's almost gone. You can tell it's hit, right? It's the delicious, delicious coffee too. So. Oh, and that weird mug, dude. What was it? That what's that mug? This is yes, yeah, it's from Cometeer. They send like frozen coffee pods out and uh, awesome glasses too. So yeah, you, Maggie. You, Maggie's been using those. My wife has been using those, so they're kind of cool looking. You feel like you're in a coffee shop even when you're not, which is a great <laughs> feeling. And it's great coffee, too. So playoffs are here. And, Britt, you had a key questions piece dissecting every team in the field. There's a couple teams that I think are, are just different because they had the best record in each league, and yet people still doubt them. So I thought we should start today by talking about the Tampa Bay Rays and a couple key questions facing them. Uh, the biggest observation for me is this is a very different group of starters than we saw from the core that pushed them to the World Series a year ago. 28 different pitchers for the Rays this year have logged at least 10 innings. Of course, some of those guys are hurt. Some of those guys have been traded. Tyler Glass now, the key guy who's not there because he had Tommy John surgery back in early August. How do you expect this young core to hold up? We're talking about Shane McClanahan and Shane Boz, who came up late in the year. Drew Rasmussen, a surprising starter for this team after being acquired from the Brewers. And Luis Patino, because it seems like a lot of the heavy lifting is going to fall on them. Yeah, it's interesting. I texted Eno after I wrote that story yesterday, one question for each playoff team, because I found myself on fan graphs for an unusual amount of time. And I was quoting WRC Plus and was like, I have spent way too much time with Eno. <laughs> nerds, 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 nerds. I, I asked him, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a nerd, a nerd now. I've been on this show long <laughs> enough. I, I'm, I'm going to wear the card. Um, but what's interesting to me about Tampa Bay, and, and you brought it up, Derek, they have pitched the fewest amount of innings out of their starting rotation of any playoff team. And it's not close. The second team is, is Boston, and it's about 50 innings. 
So it's significant. My my gut tells me this Tampa Bay Rays team is better than last year's team, and they are in a lot of metrics. Uh, but I worry about that bullpen and whether it's going to be just exhausted by the time it gets to the later rounds. I also think when you look at some of these AL matchups, the Houston Astros have caused a lot of problems for Tampa Bay. They've beaten Tampa Bay. And here's another, like, Eno and I spend way too much time together. For the athletic predictions of the national staff, Eno and I both picked the Astros. So I think when you look at Tampa Bay, they're a good team. Nobody talks about them. They are so well-rounded. They're not at the top of any of these leaderboards. But when you expand the leaderboards to the top 100, all of a sudden, there's all the rays. They're a little similar to the Giants in that regard, where they're not built around that one star, uh, that one guy that you have to get out or you have to make sure you hit. Uh, but to me, they're a good team. I just don't know if they can get as deep as they got last year. I think so many things went their way last year. And even in the World Series, it felt like at times those bullpen arms were just gassed. Yeah, I think the bullpen is really interesting because um you know, I don't, I just don't think it's the same as last year, even going in, you know, like Pete, Pete Fairbanks and Nick Anderson were throwing gas last year, late last year. They looked like unstoppable. And I, I did see something weird. Kittredge was throwing 97 in his last game against the Rays. And I was like, where did that come from? So I guess if Kittredge is going to throw 97, they do have a guy who's going to throw gas, but mostly it's about funk um, and, and figuring it out. But the figuring out thing is really important for me. The thing that I think that is that the Rays have in common with the Astros is they have good arms and they have a bunch of them. And I think they're going to do like maybe a modified nationals thing, actually, where they start using their starters on throw days, you know, and use their starters for three or four innings and maybe use two starters in one game. I mean, that's one thing that the Astros have to do, I think, actually, because the Astros almost go six deep. If you count Christian Javier as a, you know, starter slash reliever. They can go six deep with starters, so I think they almost might want to just tandem everybody. Um, on the on the Rays side, like I think they just want to get four innings out of Shane Baz, four innings out of Shane Shane McClanahan, four innings uh, out of Luis Patino, and and maybe on the same day, you know, maybe have Rasmussen come in and give him two or three innings, uh, you know, every two or three days. Uh, but there, the we're gonna see more of that just quote-unquote, figuring it out that we've seen in past postseasons, I think, where it's just nobody is anything. <laughs> like, you're not a starting pitcher. You're not a reliever. We just need outs. How many outs can we get from you today? You know, like, we're just, it's a free-floating thing, and whoever's arm is is still hanging on, you're pitching today. <laughs> so I kind of think that's the plan. <laughs> Nobody Craig is Council. anything. Oh. Yeah, Craig Council just calls them out I mean, that's one out-getters. way to, to look at it, right? They're, they're just pitchers. They're just they're just doing whatever you need them to do, and then you figure out the next day after you get through today, after you win or lose today, you kind of plot your course uh, accordingly. I think get- uh, I just want to jump in real quick. Uh, Feather Dinos has a really interesting question that I've been spending uh, some time thinking about. Uh, it might be a little bit too long to put up on the screen, but he's saying. Oh, there you go. Rasmussen has done a very done very well limiting hits against playoff caliber teams, but without the underlying Ks and a mediocre ground ball rate, how is he doing? And can he continue to do it? Uh, one of the things that uh, sticks out for me is that uh, you know pitching plus this model, you know, values his slider and fastball very very highly, even though they don't get uh, the slider hasn't been getting a lot of whiffs. And I don't know if that's just a glitch in the model for now, 
Uh, but I do know the model is trained against getting outs, not necessarily against getting whiffs. So one thing I do know is he gets a 71% first strike rate. So he's just always starting out 0-1. I mean, not always, 71% of the time. <laughs> but, you know, he's starting out 0-1. Um, the fastball, he, he locates really well, uh, and he's added some, some run to it. Um, and then the slider is an 87-mile-an-hour power slider, like power curve-type slider. So I don't know why it's not getting whiffs. I think maybe he's using it for some weak contact, for some ground balls and such. Uh, but when I look at the pieces and at the curveball looks average, I see, I think it's sustainable. Um, I know I'm kind of going out on a limb. There are other analysts that don't feel the same way about Drew Rasmussen, but I think he can continue to keep it going. How, my only caveat is I think he's sort of an 80 to hundred pitch guy. So, uh, I don't know if he's like a starter with a capital S, uh, but he's an outgetter. <laughs> and I think that's maybe part of the reason why he's not trying necessarily to use the slider entirely for whiffs, right? If he's trying to be efficient, if he's trying to get through five innings and do it with more like 70 pitches, then you know, not getting into deeper counts is a big part of how you get there. You know, finding stuff in the zone that guys can't do damage against would be that's, the optimal way to do that. That's exactly yeah. it. Both of his pitches are good in the zone. If you're good in the zone, there's a lot of different ways to get going. You know, he gets a lot of called strikes. He gets a lot of ground balls. And uh, and he has been efficient as a starter. He's been getting to five and six innings without getting over 100 in, 100 pitches. So uh, I kind of I kind of believe in him. There's a question from Finn Jay. Who's going to start game one of that series on Thursday <laughs> for the Rays against the winner of the wild card game? <laughs> I would start Baz, dude. Yeah, really? Ah, it, really? It OK, almost no, doesn't McClanahan matter the way probably. they're set up, right? Like it almost yeah. doesn't matter. Um, it really did. Like it's going to be someone for three or four innings. So. <laughs> That's why it's like the bullpen kind of worries me. But does it matter? Because this team, more than any other organization, they basically invented the opener, right? Like they got the the whole bullpenning stuff down to a science. I think maybe we can all agree that they're going to beat whoever wins the Red Sox Yankees game tonight. I feel pretty confident that Tampa Bay is going to match up well against both those teams and and advance at least out of the first round. Do you guys think so? The only thing is that the Yankees, it's the, they face the Yankees or they face the winner of Astros White Sox? They, they face get, the winner they, of the wild card. Yeah. So the one thing about the Yankees is I like the bullpen. And I don't want to jump ahead in the rundown or anything. <laughs> All right. Fine. Fine. We'll keep it in order for Eno's sake since he's the guy that wants to always color within the lines. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to, oh, oh, okay. I was just trying to be a good team I'm player. Just, I'm just messing with you. Wow. I don't think I've ever been described that way. I want to talk about the Giants for a few minutes because the key questions facing them have always just been, oh, are they really this good? And I think we've probably moved past that. They had the best offense in the NL. We talked about that before in terms of WRC+. Plus. Only, the G, only the Jays hit more home runs than the Giants in the regular season, and that's despite Oracle Park being Oracle Park, which is maybe more hitter-friendly than it used to be, but still a pitcher-friendly place to hit. They deserve a ton of credit. They won 107 games. It went down to the very last day of the regular season. They held off the NL Death Star to win the division and push the Dodgers into the NL wildcard game. I think when I look at this Giants team, I'm more fixated on how good the back end of the rotation is and then the bullpen. They had great results from that pen throughout the season. They were second only to the Rays in terms of reliever innings pitched during the second half of the season. But the Giants' ERA from that group was more than a half run better than the Rays. So I think they were able to really maximize the value of a lot of players that people aren't necessarily as familiar with in the, the broader conversation. So when you guys look at this Giants team, 
where do you see their true weakness? Clearly, it's not the offense. They've proven over 162 games. The offense is fine. I think up top in the rotation, Gossman and Logan Webb, they stack up pretty well with anybody else's 1-2. But where does it start to break down when you're looking for weaknesses in the team with the best record in the National League? It's a good question. They are a little more susceptible to left-handed starters. They're If you look at what they've been able to do versus right-handed starters, they've just dominated they're a little more pedestrian against left-handed starters, so that could come into effect. But that could also be rectified by getting certain guys going, right? Like Evan Longoria has a hot October. We're probably not worried about that so much. Um, there aren't a whole lot of holes, I agree with you. They're the best team in the National League, even though Vegas still has the Dodgers as the best odds to win the World Series, uh, which is, I don't know if this has ever happened, right? Has a wildcard team ever gotten the best odds? to win the whole thing before. Um, I wouldn't think I'm so. Not that, sure. that seems very odd to me. It's exactly. And I just think when you look at this Giants team, like they deserve to be in the World Series. They, they've played really well all year. They've lived in the margins all year, as we've talked about. There aren't a whole lot of glaring holes to me when you look at this team. Um, I think how they set up those, those later innings um, is going to be important. I think the you know, the left-handed starter thing is a little important as well. Um, and then maybe when you get into the back end of the rotation, but we're just kind of nitpicking here, right? Because every team has some bullpen issues. Every team isn't super confident with the back half of their rotation uh, in a, like, October setting. The Giants are a really good team, and maybe we should stop. I, as I wrote, maybe we should stop questioning them. Maybe there are no more questions because we've questioned them for six months, and it turns out they're just really freaking good. Yeah, I was going to just say something. Steven Anderson uh, just had a, a good point. Uh, the the thing about the bullpen that is that is the most interesting to me is just that they made a bet on command in the bullpen, which is uh, very strange. Uh, they, If you look at K minus BB, uh, they do very well. It's just that they focus mostly on the BB part. <laughs> they focus mostly on the walks, and almost everybody else in baseball is focusing on strikeouts. I just I don't think that we have a great knowledge base even of like what a command based pen will do in October. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's actually so novel that I don't think that we have other comps. Yeah. There he goes. He says 11th in K minus BB, but 22nd in K. So like, it's still a good bullpen. Uh, it gets a ton of grounders. Part of that is Tyler Rogers. Like he can get a grounder whenever you want. Um, and if they can pick it enough on defense, then, then those are a lot of, you know, free outs from Tyler Rogers, but uh, now they have Camilo Duvall. So they do have a guy who can throw 105. Uh, I want to see 105. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love to see 105. <laughs> yeah. But, but generally it's built on command and I just don't know how that plays. I do know that I had a conversation with John Smoltz once on my, on my uh, podcast uh, over at Fangraphs that we talked about how he was uh, the best of the the big three or whatever in in Atlanta in the postseason, and that was because he didn't rely on command. And that when he got to the postseason, he was throwing a mile or two harder because there is a postseason velocity adrenaline bump. Uh, that he was better equipped for that because he was the stuff guy. And that when Maddox and Glavin hit the postseason, they needed the cooperation of the umpire. They needed everything to go right the same day. And if they're throwing a mile or two harder, maybe their their spots are they're not hitting their spots as well. So uh, I do wonder what happens in a, in a bullpen when you have basically like a Maddox-Glavin type bullpen as opposed to 
I don't know, the Yankees who have a bunch of guys who throw 100. Right, you the, know? the Yankees pen or that Royals pen from a few years ago when they won the World Series. That was just guys gas hard. after gas after yeah. gas. It didn't, it didn't matter who they went to. It was someone who's going to come in and throw upper 90s, maybe even touching 100. It's a different approach for sure. It's a little bit more like what the Rays did last year with Les Velo, where you get some really different looks from this group of Giants relievers. I think is kind of the wild card from this group. How does he handle the big stage? We wonder that about all young players. It's just different. October baseball is just a little bit different, but he has been really good in the second <laughs> half, and he might be their best bet. If they're in a jam, if they're in a two-out jam, they need a strikeout, he might be their best reliever to go to in a situation like that. Two things that are cool about Doval, uh, nobody's seen him, so you know there'll be that novelty. Uh, and then the other thing is... Uh, you know, after a, a save the other day, um, or or just after getting out of a jam, I can't remember. He was down in the in the dugout, and uh, a, a coach came over. I think it was J.P. Martinez, assistant hitting coach, and uh, put his finger on his uh, on his neck and, and looked at his watch as if like to check if he had a pulse. So I, I mean, th- th- that's the that's the, the sort of joke around uh, the Giants camp is that uh, he's got a very slow motor and like you know like a, a slow heartbeat, and he can. Uh, he can handle these moments, but uh, I still he does he does not have a pulse. Says Finn J. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is officially a zombie who can throw 105. <laughs> yeah. there, there is there is a danger with that though because October is different, and you've seen it time and again, right, guys who haven't allowed a run the entire regular season all of a sudden fall apart in October. But they do have Jake McGee, who was the incumbent closer, coming back now. So to me, the Giants are even stronger and better than they were earlier this season. And and I know they've said McGee isn't automatically going to be the closer. Gabe Kapler can kind of do a committee matchup approach here and play it by ear. And you're right. I mean, I want to see the guys for a 105 as well. Uh, but you do kind of wonder. It's a little different pitching in a regular season game than it is in October against the Dodgers, right? Um, it's, it's just a totally different feel. So I'm curious to see. Uh, how he responds to that and if that continues to be kind of what he does in terms of keeping that cool. It's yeah. it's a good matchup, Penn, though, because Rogers, you you might never see he might never see a lefty, right? Because lefties like that right. that arm slot. They can see the ball forever. Um, you know, it's easier for them. So if he if he's only against righties and McGee is slightly more against lefties, and then Doval is like the seventh inning out. Like that's another way you can mitigate the Doval situation, right? Is like we won't use him in the ninth necessarily. We'll use him in a seventh in a big spot. And even if he allows a run or something, we'll, we we can pick him up and and get him used to it or whatever. Sometimes I, I think actually, if you look at the numbers, the most critical outs are more likely to be in the sixth and seventh than in the ninth uh, when you look at just how games go. So um, I, I would see that's the idea. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So if you're wondering how the, the rundown works and why it was built this way, the main thing we want to talk about today before we get into the AL wildcard matchup going down tonight were the playoff odds for the World Series and our own predictions. And I want to start with the Giants and Rays because... Even though they had the best records in each of the two leagues, they are not the odds-on favorites to win the World Series. As Britt mentioned earlier, the Dodgers are plus 400, even though they have to play an elimination game right off the cuff, kidding, kidding the uh, Cardinals at home, of course, on Wednesday. So Dodgers plus 400, Astros plus 475, Giants are not that far behind at plus 600, Rays sitting there at plus 650, White Sox at plus 700, Brewers at plus 800, then some longer shots with the Yankees at plus 1,200, Braves at plus 1,200, Red Sox at plus 1,400 and Cardinals at plus 2,500. It's two separate questions. It's not what you think is going to happen, and you know that's also the way you would bet. Like Looking at the Cardinals at plus 2,500, yeah, we know the Dodgers are great, but if the Cardinals win the wild card game, there's no reason why they can't win any other series. Like there's, We've seen it. They've played amazing in September, so it just feels like there's a ton of value on them right now, even though if we were drafting these teams for who we thought was going to win the World Series, sure, the Cardinals might be one of the last picks, but they make a lot of sense from a pure value standpoint here. Yeah, my sweet spot is probably that 650 raise where like you still have a like a high likelihood they don't have to be in the wild card game. You have a high likelihood of them winning at all, but you still get good odds. You don't you're not paying you know you're not paying the the the, the highest uh, the price to get them. But the Yankees, if you're going to talk about a wild card team, I might talk about the Yankees. Actually, um, I really like that bullpen, and I know that it's kind of cold in the bullpen, but we've seen teams like that go really far into the postseason. Uh, so, uh, and I and, I, and for what's worth, I'm not saying that the other guys are terrible, but I think that like you know Montgomery, uh, Kluber, those guys are going to get you three three innings maybe, um, and it's going to be kind of modified bullpen days. So. Uh, Yankees and Rays are the two most interesting to me on that on that list. I, I think the Astros are interesting, even though their bullpen has a lot of questions other than Ryan Presley. Um, Zach Granke could be a little bit of a wild card here. What's interesting is, you know, people have listened to the show for a while, as they know, I'm I'm a recovering beat writer, right? I, I covered the Nationals and I covered the Orioles. And um, even when the Orioles didn't make the playoffs, I still had to do the playoffs for MLB. So I've covered a lot of playoff games. And it's never almost never the best team that wins. It's the hottest team. It's that old adage in baseball that there are no Cinderella's. The 162 game season weeds out any Cinderella's. Everybody who's in the playoffs deserves to be there. But after that, as Billy Bean famously said, like it's a dice roll, right? You're basically rolling the dice. That's what we're all doing here. And in 2019, the Nationals were never supposed to make it out of the wild card. They weren't supposed to beat the Dodgers. You know, that they swept the Cardinals. So I've seen crazy things happen. So when I look at those Cardinals odds, I think to myself, man, you know, not a bad idea to put money on a team that just had a historic September. That's right? a lot nope. of return on like a $10 bet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like nobody thought they would win 17 games in a row, but they did it. Nobody thought Adam Wainwright was going to be this good, but still, but he is. Right. So that's what baseball and sports are is. And it's so hard to predict with these playoff odds is I could see the Dodgers losing that game. Couldn't everybody? It's a one game playoff. It takes one hit, one bad pitch to all of a sudden change everything. 
So this is a, such a fun exercise, but ultimately nobody is ever right, right? Like my, you know, my three-year-old niece could probably pick the playoffs better than the three of us could. And that's part of the fun is that you cannot predict what's going to happen here over the next few weeks. And I would maybe throw some money down on those Cardinals and say, you know what? Maybe they will get hot. Maybe the Yankees <laughs> will get hot. And you could just as easily make the case that both those teams lose their wildcard games and their season is over. And you're like, well, I knew it. They had this, this, and this, right? So it just, it almost seems like an exercise in futility here to make our playoff predictions because the playoffs almost never go the way they're supposed to go. Yeah, I think it was back in March. The Astros at plus 2,200 were the team that I thought made the most sense value-wise. So no reason to throw that out at this point because there's a chance that it does come through. But I feel like the teams in the middle are the ones that would get overlooked the most. Junior's curious about the White Sox. You know, What are the keys for them to have a deep run? We did get to talk about them a little bit on Friday. Bullpen is deep. Bullpen is nasty. Starting rotation is still pretty good, even with a lot of uncertainty around Carlos Rodon. And That's where I think the questions are for me. Back of the rotation? No, I think actually the whole rotation. It's, I'm not saying that I think that Lucas Giolito is bad. You know, I'm just saying like, you know, how will how will he match up against their ace? You know, like, is he is he going to be better than their ace? And he's had good days and bad days this year, you know? So, like, I just think that, you know, can the starting pitching turn, hand it off to the bullpen is the biggest question because I think they can score runs, you know? And, and uh, you know, the only, the only thing is, I guess, sometimes some of their guys are a little bit uh, not as disciplined, um, you know, in terms of reaching at, 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 at pitches that are balls. Uh, so maybe, maybe, you know, it'll be some closer games than you might expect. Uh, but if they have a lead going into that bullpen, I mean, that's, that's the nastiest bullpen in the, in the playoffs for sure. Baseball. Yeah. And I didn't look at that team and think, oh, they're only the byproduct of being in a mostly rebuilding AL central. I mean, the twins underperforming, that was also something that kind of gave the White Sox a, an extra nudge Cleveland taking a step back that obviously made the division a bit easier as well, but they're they're fine. They they stack up fine with Houston. We'll talk about that series a lot more later in the week. You know, if you feel if you're feeling the White Sox at plus seven hundred, I totally understand because they have everything you need to have to make a deep run. Check uh, out Brewers. this uh, this thing here real quick about uh, opponent Babbitt. Hmm. Uh, this is interesting to me. Uh, for my piece today, uh, uh, bold predictions for the playoffs. I think actually every prediction is bold because they're all pointless. And like you're saying, like we're all rolling the dice. Um, it, it, for my thing today, the Cardinals had the best uh, uh, defense in baseball. So the fact that the Dodgers are number one there, there might be a little bit of shifting and maybe some luck. But St. Louis being second, I think, is just based on the fact that they are an amazing team defensively. I think that's been part of the Cardinal way forever is to just have a really good defense. Um, and so, uh, you know, defense is slightly more important in the playoffs. I mean, I I bold predicted that the Cardinals win this playoff, the, that wildcard game. And then, uh, you know, from there on out, you could you're getting so many odds. And the other thing I wanted to say uh, off of what Britt was saying is that out of the last 21 years, the team with the best record in baseball has won it all four times. So, uh, you know, ding, ding, ding. like, exactly. congratulations, Dodgers. You're a very good team. Yeah, a lot, a lot of pain <laughs> for teams that have great regular seasons. I, I don't seasons, know how much that means in October. To, you know, tomorrow. <laughs> right. It's it's the you know the valedictorian of the home school, right? Like, great, you had a great regular season. You nobody cares. 
Yeah. Nobody cares. Now you're in college. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. It means nothing. And now you're surrounded uh, by people smarter than you. Good luck. <laughs> if you're me, it's time to party, but uh, let's move past that. Well, yeah, as soon as I realized I was not even close to being the smartest person in the room, which I wasn't even in high school anyway, that's when I started partying. So I'm like, well, at least I'll have fun if I'm here. Yeah, I won't exactly. feel dumb all the time. So that, that'll be great. Who do you really expect to see in the World Series? Throwing the odds aside, you know, who is it going to be? Like, we'll, we'll put the prediction out there aside from the odds-based value call. We'll go to you first, you know. Um, Astros. Uh, I think I picked Astros over Brewers uh, in the predictions. Um, I'm actually less sure about what's going to happen in the NL. I think, like, I think it'll either be uh, the Astros or the Rays uh, coming out of the AL. Like, I'm, I feel pretty good about that. As good as you can about playoffs. Uh, the Astros just make so much contact, and that is more meaningful in the postseason. And then uh, on the NL, I, I just the Brewers are so weird. You had that tweet. DVR, it's just messing with me. I put it in my piece today. The ninety-five Brewer, ninety-five Braves. Yeah, that's yeah, that's who they have to be. They have to be yeah. the ninety-five Braves, but it's not impossible. You know, Burns, uh, Woodruff, uh, Peralta. It's not. They don't. It's not. I'm not making them Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz. But right now in the game this year, like that's the best front three that anyone's got. My heart is going to shatter into a million pieces this month. If they month. make you it to the that. World Series and if lose. They, if they make it and lose, <laughs> that is going to break me in, in a way that my fanhood has never been broken before. And I say that as a... To be so close. <laughs> I say that as a Packer fan who's seen some miserably uh, difficult losses in the postseason and as a uh, Wisconsin graduate, that Wisconsin-Duke National Championship game from six, seven years ago now. That's the one that got away. They're never, they're never going to win a men's basketball championship as long as I'm alive. That was their chance. But that's neither here nor there. We'll, we'll keep this moving here. Who do you think it's going to be in the World Series, Britt? Well, you know, pick like eight teams. So <laughs> I guess to do that. Yeah, you can have uh, at least eight. Yep. I did three. Um, I'm going to give you at least it. I'm going to give you at least five possibilities, right? Because then, then I'm covered. Uh, you're always right. That's I'm always point. right. That's the point. Just make a ton of predictions. Just the whole point of the show is for me to be always right. Um, yeah. so I think, like I was saying to, you know, my nerd conversion status, I agree with Eno on the Astros. I think not only do they make a lot of contact, but their lineup is so deep, right? Like they've got six or seven players in the top 50, um, an individual WRC plus. So they led baseball in offensive war. They led baseball in runs scored. Uh, they're just a team that is going to continually come at you. And you look at that lineup and there's like no real weak spots. So they're going to exhaust the White Sox starters. I agree. Once they get to the bullpen, it might be a different game, but I think the Astros are going to come out of the AL. Uh, they have beat the Rays. They've, they've one of the few teams that have had pretty good success against the Rays. Um, so I think they're going to be that AL team. The NL is a little trickier, but I'm going to go with the Giants because they've played well for so long. I can't imagine them just falling off a cliff here now. I look at the NL and I'm like, okay, which team should the Giants be afraid of? Well, they shouldn't be afraid of any of them. They're the best team in the National League and they have been all year. The Brewers I love. However, what bothers me about the Brewers, and we've talked about it, is the offense. And it's not just like, okay, their offense is middle of the pack. No, their offense is so bad that they are down there 
in WRC plus, which is now my favorite stack guys. I'm going to, you're going <laughs> to, I hope you're not drinking every time I say that yeah. you're listening to the show because you're just done for the day. Um, but they're, they're 23rd, which for a playoff team is far and away the worst, but for a division winner is even more alarming, right? If they were a middle of the pack offense, I'd have no problem picking them. Now, if Christian Yelich wakes up and all of a sudden goes on a tear, then this team is, is threatening, but I could see them losing one to nothing or two to nothing. These, you know, earmuff, earmuff, Derek, these heartbreaking, awful losses So unfortunately, I'm going to go with the Giants and the Astros. Uh, I just think that's how it's going to stack up. But I would love for the Brewers to have a nice run. They're a really fun team to watch. Um, I just don't know. You have to have some offense to win. You do a little bit. David Justice. <laughs> Christian Yelich. David Justice. <laughs> We, we really don't know what's wrong with Yelich. We've speculated all season that maybe the back is still a problem, some other injury, something else. Get a cortisol shot right uh, before the playoffs, baby. He tweeted, the season begins now. Yeah, so, <laughs> oh, okay. <Ooh. laughs> he's, he's Mighty convenient, Mr. Nine Homers. <laughs> yeah. Does that also apply to, Col- to Bellinger? Because, like, yikes. Yeah. They might actually, the Dodgers might actually need Bellinger in a similar way with Muncie down. I mean, the Muncie injury looks like he might be out of the playoffs. Yeah, that looked really, really bad. I'll take the Chuck. I'll take the Dodgers and the Astros. I hate myself for doing it. I think those teams are just too they're just too good. Obviously, a lot can happen. The Dodgers Wait, could lose tomorrow. And what would... were the odds in the AL? Were the Rays did the Rays or Astros have better odds in the AL? The Astros are plus four seventy five. The Rays are plus six fifty. Wow, so the Astros are Chuck. Dang it. Yeah, I know. And I'll uh I'll be in Houston for at least part of these. Uh, shows so that will be exciting but I guess they're officially the team of rates and barrels huh the Houston Astros <laughs> they've been our Astros, our uh, Astros. It, we've been passing them around for a little while now and oh. I think they're, they're not like that like, <laughs> like it's it's first for my it was it was Derek's Astros and it was Eno's That's Astros right. I don't know if they ever really were Brits Astros but they're our Astros at this point this is uh this, I mean I'd love to see this Tony the blind one wants to see how uh, the Brewers and Rays that would be fantastic uh, this is this is actually right on the money right here from McCabe. When anyone says St. Louis in defense in a playoff setting, I think of Pete Cosma in the 2012 <laughs> playoffs. Yep, that's uh, that's a classic. Uh, question about a team we didn't talk about from Ryan. Do the Braves have any core competency, competency at this point that anyone could see them using to pull off two upsets? They seem the easiest to write off of the whole playoff lineup, including the wild cards. That's reflected in the odds, too, since they're buried down there with the teams that are playing in the wild card games. I alluded to this a bit on Friday, I think Atlanta matches up pretty well with the Brewers because of the Brewers' struggles to score runs and because Atlanta's first three starters can match up closely enough to the Brewers' three starters. Those could be Especially tight, low-scoring games. Especially given the Brewers' offense, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The, the mm-hmm. stage is set for those teams to play a lot of you know, 2-1, 3-2 sort of games, and anything can happen in those situations. But I think what it comes down to, for me with Atlanta, is whether or not the bullpen comes through. Will Smith did look pretty shaky down the stretch. I saw somebody on the stream pointing that out. Their their A bullpen even is more of a like a B minus sort of group when it's not pitching well, and that could be critically important. As if the starters might go six, but how do you get those last nine outs? That could be something that makes the difference between Atlanta winning a series or two or going home quickly at the hands of the Brewers. The one thing that I can say for the Braves, and I haven't seen a playoff roster yet, but. Uh, they have two interesting guys come up. Yes, Richard Rodriguez, uh, mm-hmm. post-July 
did uh, see a marked reduction in efficacy and stuff. But um, uh, the one thing I will say is they do have some wild cards there. Um, Spencer Strider. Strider, yeah. baby. Uh, and then they had another guy. Mm. And another guy. They do. They have, they have two rookies that they're trying out, right? Green or something? Mm. Uh, forget the other guy's name. Uh, but no. they had the two guys, but Strider is the is the really you know impressive one. Uh, he throws a really high nineties, high ride fastball, um, and his fastball rates better than slider. Which is one of the very few pitchers in baseball who can say that. Um, is he it Dylan Lee? It. Yes, Dil- I think Dylan that's Lee. It. Yeah. Lee. What's interesting is I follow his wife on Instagram. We did a story with her, and I was like, "Wait a second, I think I know who it is." Yeah, there you go, Dylan <laughs> okay. Lee. Uh, he's he's weird because uh, so far he's made his bones on command, not not stuff. The stuff uh, doesn't look as quite as good, but he has a good curveball. Uh, but Strider, he could change things. Like he could be one of those K. Rodian situations where like no one's seen this guy. He's got this explosive ride ball, uh, rising fastball, and he's the guy who comes in uh, with the bases loaded in the seventh and strikes out you know three Brewers in a row uh, and and, uh, and ends the threat. You know, Will Smith might be the guy who comes in. Uh, with a two-run lead in the ninth, you know, puts two guys on and and finishes it off, uh, not looking quite as impressive. So Strider, Strider's like for for being like a rookie with like you know three innings under his belt or whatever. Uh, he he has a, a a large importance to that that Braves team. I think. Yeah, I need to apologize to Braves fans because I wore it after saying on Friday that the Braves did not have playoff success. I apologize for discounting the 60-game season last year and the fact that the Braves did win a playoff series, though I will note that what I was trying to say is that overall, over the last 20-odd years, they have like won, won one playoff series, right? They, that was just really last year. So they have largely not lived up to expectations because they keep winning the NL East, and we could talk about all day how the NL East is perhaps not that good of a division. Um, but I could see the Braves advancing and I could see them going deep because they very quietly had a really good second half and their lineup. I mean, it's not Astros, but it's good. It's really good. They hit a lot of home runs. They have a lot of power, three guys, 30 homers or more. Dansby Swanson with another just really good breakout year right below that. I think a 27 home runs. Um, and they have Max Breed and Charlie Morton. So I think when you look at this team, if they can figure out that bullpen, if those two young kids come up, and they play that, you know, X factor role. We always like to have some X factor in the playoffs. They could win a few series. They could give some of these other teams a run for their money. Um, I really like Brian Snicker. I don't think enough people talk about him. I think he's one of the most underrated managers in the game. That really nice blend um, of old school, but also you know uses the analytics, uses uses the numbers. Um, I think when you look at the Braves and the clip that they've played at to even get back into the conversation without Ronald Acuna. You have to give them a lot of credit. So, you know, Freddie Freeman, I could see really easily stepping up uh, in this kind of role. It's what he's done really all year. And that infield has played pretty much day in, day out. They've been playing their butts off for months. I think the Braves are a team that you could see, again, with every team, you could see them losing. But you could also look at that scenario and you kind of say, well, if they figure out this bullpen, and this year we have a little more off days built in, right? The travel schedule is back to normal. So if they get deeper in, we have a little bit more of a chance to not run your bullpen into the ground and to maybe get by with two or three arms. 
which is all the 2000 nationals had 2019 nationals had were basically three arms. So could you see the Braves do that where they get a little tricky where they start putting starters in the bullpen, right? Like, Oh, it's Freed's throw day. Oh, it's Morton's throw day. Right. And then all of a sudden the Braves don't have that clear weakness anymore. So the playoffs to me is just a totally different game strategically than the regular season was. And that's what kind of makes it fun to watch. I mean, we could tonight see starters coming out of that bullpen, right? It's all hands on deck for for these wild card games. It's going to be all hands on deck for these elimination games. Yeah, I suspect that will be the case. Sam in agreement with me that Morton, Freed, and Anderson can match up with Burns, Woodruff, uh, and uh, Fred Peralta on the other side. I was sticking with my guns, man. If you if they were going against the same offense, I would take all the Brewers and all three of those. And I, <laughs> Charlie Morton is one of my favorite pitchers and human beings in baseball, and I would still uh, I would still pick Burns. Come on, yeah, but it's like. Burns 60, 40 in, I mean, if, maybe like in his know. peak, Morton. You know? The guy's going to win a Cy Young this year. <laughs> uh, Burns is throwing 97 mile an hour uh, cutters for Christ's sake. But uh, uh, one thing I also wanted to point out uh, is that uh, I've forgotten it and we can move on. Well, look at this, Stephen, on the stream. <laughs> Last two teams to go four and 10 down the stretch and make the playoffs won the World Series. Analytics. <laughs> Wow. Analytics. Analytics. Yeah, the Brewers went four and ten on the stretch. <laughs> so if that isn't predictive, I don't know what is. That's that's what we're here for. We're here for those kind oh, of comments. Oh, this is what I was yeah. gonna say. You were talking about um the the how they played. They like haven't like all four played like 162 on the infield or something crazy? Yes. That yes. is some... that is the opposite of the Giants. Like, yes. like they couldn't be more different. And the Giants are preaching, keeping our guys healthy, getting the most out of them, you know, rest days and load management, all this stuff. I I don't know. I mean, well, maybe what if the Braves, it took all they could to to get here and they had to go 162 and now those guys are tired. I don't know. I I, I, also could mean that they just will have plus defense because they've all played together and they and they can they they know exactly their tendencies and they can pick it and they know how to communicate with each other. I don't know. Uh, it's it's just interesting to me that the Giants and Braves couldn't be more opposite in this one regard. Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in rest over a six month season. So I'm really curious to see. But maybe where the, does that go out? Point. Does that go out the window in the playoffs yeah. where it's like yes. the adrenaline yes. is you're just running on coffee and adrenaline? You know, yeah, you just like, take I mean, a few extra espresso tired. shots and you're good. Tired? I've had three Red Bulls. What do you mean I'm tired? (laughs) Yeah, like if you talk to players, um, they're they're dead by September, right? But once they get to October, they don't feel anything anymore. I don't know if it's the Red Bulls or just the constant like shoot them up with cortisol, Toradol, all kinds of dolls. Um, But guys talk about how in November they're basically their body shuts down. Guys who have deep playoff runs, like they shut down for like weeks because they probably, they've just been running on sick. adrenaline. They probably get sick, you know, probably get colds and, and just get sick and like spend a week in bed when they get home. Yeah. So <laughs> no one's going to say like, oh, we were tired. We ran out of energy, especially not the Braves. I mean, do it because the Giants didn't lose Ronald Acuna. Atlanta did. They had to play every day. That's how they felt like they were going to win. And they kind of created that culture of posting up every day, which – We've talked about before, you know, like and DVR, I, I think I'm on the other side of that where um, I kind of see it as it's going away and it's unfortunate. There's only four pitchers this year who went 200 innings. Corbin Burns probably deserves the NL MVP, but Zach Wheeler pitched, oh, I don't know, 30, 40 more innings. So is he not as valuable? I mean, the Cy Young, like, is he not as valuable? All of a sudden, are we going to? 
place less emphasis on actually going deep into games and actually yeah. being available because quantity teams, matters. Yeah. Like, but uh, come on matters. There's also this aspect of their human beings. And like, you know, for us, like burnout is real. And like, you know, I barely, I did not, you know, we have like a guide for how many times we're supposed to write. And I did not hit my numbers in August. I was toast in August. I don't know what it was. Something I was just the trade deadline. I, I, I like, I watched a little money heist. Uh, you know, I took days, I took days off. You know, I, I tried to like, you know, recuperate for the stretch run. And in fact, in, in the beginning of September, I, I felt rejuvenated. A bunch of new ideas came on my table. And, you know, I felt like that was good that I had like laid fallow for a little bit. Don't look at my August pieces. They, they're forgettable. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but my point is, uh, as human beings, I think that it makes a lot of sense. Oh, is that a, that's a really good time to put up the fifty percent subscription. <laughs> yeah. yeah, subscribe to Eno's August pieces. They were real crap. No, subscribe uh, <laughs> if you're not a subscriber because the October ones are going to be better. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I'm at my peak, baby. But I, I mean, just as a human being, um, I I think that hopefully we're sort of. I think this is sort of maybe pandemic born that we are reevaluating our relationship to work and that, you know, we don't necessarily like need to value posting up every single day. We don't necessarily need to value working 70 hours a week or whatever it is. We don't necessarily need to value running ourselves into the ground uh, for this big machine uh, when, you know, we would be better. We would do better work. Uh, there's in fact a company out there uh, that is going to a four day work week. And of course they're going to get their, uh, of course they're going to get their work back by working them real hard on the other four days. Uh, but I don't know, maybe you'd be more likely to do a 12 hour day if you knew Friday was just going to be completely clean. So I don't know. I, I, I think that, uh, I'm, I lean a little bit more giants. I know that as a fan, it sucks. You go to the ballpark and, oh, man, I love Brandon Crawford. And, and he, why is he not playing today? You know, but uh, I think as a human being on the other side, in terms of uh, workload and, and work management, I'd, I'd rather uh, sit every once in a while. You know, it's 162 is a long time. Well, there's a tactical benefit to the rest. And I think in the case of Corbin Burns, the Brewers were using a six-man rotation for a good point, a good portion of the second half. So having him and Woodruff and Peralta more fresh when – from an innings perspective, especially with Peralta working out of the pen last year, they need to do something to make that work, to have these guys be as effective as they can be in the playoffs. Like you, you have to sort of accept that as, as part of it, too, just from a, a pure rooting interest. It might be the best thing your team can do for those players to give them that time off. Look at that comment from uh, Sam Chess real quick before we leave the Braves. Well, you know, I've used that out of the bullpen. I think... Yeah, yes. I think it's early for sure. Yeah, yes. yeah. No, the, I think I think series, that might absolutely. be the that might be what we're talking about. If you have Oscar Enoa and Spencer Strider, all of a sudden maybe the bullpen looks totally different. Yeah. Well, I think totally. I think Enoa in yeah in the DS is <laughs> definitely definitely a guy you're going to see pitching out of the pen. Maybe in the the LCS if they advance, you'd see him maybe starting Game Four. Yeah, Giants a progressive company per- pushing the four day work week. Um, true. Here's my my main issue with that though is like with the position players is Freddie Freeman at, at seventy or eighty percent better than the Braves' next best option? Yes, yes. So yeah. you kind of well have the, the to roster, but the, you have to build the roster to do it, 
right? Like the Giants built a roster. Yes. Like, yes. you know, they don't have, I don't even know who would play first if Freddie doesn't play first. So, but yeah. I know in San Francisco who plays first. Wilmer Flores is pretty good. You know, like it's Darren Ruff, pretty good. You know, it's Chris Bryant, pretty good. So like, you know, the, the, the Giants built more of a roster to, to do it. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I love that we designed this show to be 30 minutes long, and we're uh, 47 minutes in, and we haven't even talked about the game that's happening today, so we should get to oh, that now. Oh, we better do that. Yeah, we better do yeah. that. Yankees at Red I... Sox, uh, a matchup no one ever sees because they never put these games on national TV. <laughs> these two teams get together. It's an 808 Eastern first pitch if uh, we are your source of when does the game start. Yankees' slight favorites at minus 125. It's Garrett Cole against Nathan Evaldi. It's two above-average lineups in terms of, of WRC+. Plus. Boston strikes out a little bit less. J.D. Martinez won't go in this game. He's not on the wild-card roster due to an Breaking news, breaking news. Love it. So no J.D. Martinez, but they've got plenty of bats. The Kyle Schwarber edition is kind of huge here because he can just DH. They can keep playing Bobby Dahlbeck, who's had a nice, nice stretch run here. I think it really just comes down to how well... Evaldi holds up in this matchup, and I think he can hold his own, you guys. I think Nathan Evaldi's quietly had a season worthy of some Cy Young consideration. I don't think he's going to win the AL Cy Young, but he should get plenty of, of votes, at least coming in somewhere in that fourth or fifth range, if not a little bit higher. And he was really good in the bullpen three years ago when the Red Sox won it all, kind of as a, an extra arm, kind of the, the wild card uh, of that group. So, you know, with Chris Sale not quite being vintage Sale, but still being very good. Evaldi makes a lot of sense in this spot. No rest is a factor too in why they're going Evaldi in this spot. But I, I do think this is one of the things that makes Boston dangerous. Evaldi is better than people think. Chris Sale, of course, is back. And Eduardo Rodriguez, we talked about him in the Pleasant Surprises series. Probably get an inning or something out of him in relief today, given the state of that Red Sox bullpen. He's pitched really well from an underlying skills perspective as well. So just curious what you guys think about this matchup that we have here tonight in the AL wildcard game. It's, I think it's going to be a good one. I mean, what what uh, sucks is the Red Sox just kind of announced their, you know, what's going on with the roster. And J.D. Martinez, who tripped over second base on Sunday in D.C., sprained his ankle, is out. So he's not playing. Chris Sale, also not on the roster, which I wasn't sure about because he did come out early on Sunday. And I was kind of thinking, like, maybe are they trying to shorten him up so that he's a potential bullpen one inning guy if this game gets out of hand but he is not on that roster either so I think behind Evaldi like who do you go to behind Evaldi um to kind of bridge you, they did get Garrett Whitlock back I guess you go Nick Pavetta as like an option right in the in the bullpen tonight he's like your a bullpen Tanner Hawk is that how you say it Hawk 
Um, yeah. 20, 25-year-old who's been really good. He'd be like a bullpen option. Um, I think the Red Sox lineup is deeper than the Yankees, but the Yankees have Stanton, who just had, you know, went completely insane at three home runs, I think 10 RBIs, something like that, in the last series against them. So recency bias, you're kind of really terrified of Stanton and Judge if you are going against them tonight. Uh, I like the Cole-Evaldi matchup. If it comes down to bullpens, you go with the Yankees, right? They've got the deeper bullpen for sure. It's not close. They Severino, they got Chapman. Uh, they got all kinds of weapons that they can throw out behind Cole. And Eliza I wonder, Green, yeah. right, like I wonder, do they even let Cole go a third time through the order? Because the, like I mentioned, the Red Sox lineup is deep. They're one to not like they're going to hit you. They're going to keep coming at you. There's not a whole lot of breathing room. Um, unless Cole's absolutely cruising. If I'm the Yankees, I want him to go twice through. And then I want to go to my plan because, you know, they have it mapped out. You know, they have the whole thing down to a T, um, especially the Yankees. And so I think that's how they win the game. If it gets to be into the bullpens. But if the Red Sox go out there early and kind of put a hurting on Cole, this whole thing to me flips on a dime because Evaldi has been their best starter. So. Yeah, I, I looked at the pitching plus numbers for September, and those can be pretty predictive in small samples. It's like 400, uh, you know, 400 pitches. Cole was still number one among starters, which uh, frustrated, I'll say frustrated a lot of Yankees fans uh, because they they said that he's been having a bad September. Um, you know, he did hurt his leg hamstring. Um, and so, you know, that could have been part of it. His location was a little bit worse in September. He also pitches in terrible parks uh, for pitchers and against, uh, teams that, uh, have good, you know, there's the AL East. I do think it actually is a very good division. I think it is probably the best division in baseball. And so he pitches against some of the best batters in, in baseball and he pitches in some of the worst parks. So like even a great Cole is not going to have the same numbers as great pitchers in other parks and other situations. But yeah, that's that's what I was sort of talking about. I think the Cole stuff is there. Um, and I think if you're talking about getting, you know, just barely five innings out of him, the, the Yankees are going to win this game. So I, I think yeah. that uh, the the Yankees win this game. I think the, the pen is there. The one thing that, that bothers me is that DJ LeMahieu is hurt. Luke Voigt's season is done. So some of that depth just, is... Isn't Urshela's hip not right? Well, Urshela just went flying into the dugout last night. Right. From that, that's what I mean. So yeah. it, like so that's a good someone asked that question. I don't know if I'd go Urshela or Velasquez. Um, I don't think you want Urshela playing short with that with that, that hip. hip. I, I talked to deal. players, you know, Isaiah Kind of Falefa was on uh, MLB Network the other day saying that uh he can hit better when he's playing third because shortstop is so hard on him. And I was talking to uh, a coach about the fact that they actually track stops and starts and that the shortstop stops and starts more often than any position on the field. And that that leads to fatigue, stopping and starting. Um, so I would put Urshela at third uh, and I guess uh, Velazquez in at short. And hey, I know, I know it's a step down offensively, but I would say that Velazquez... I, he had a couple big moments and if he like hit the homer that you know won this game for the white Sox, for the for the yankees i just think that it would be it would be kind of a fun story and you know he just strikes me like he's from he's from new york i think and like yeah. he's just, from the bronx he's from the bronx it's like he's been a yankee fan like if he did that 
uh, it would just be a great story. And and I think that the, 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 the bullpen is the real reason I'm, I'm, I'm saying the Yankees win. Here's a question from Shane. Is there a wild card matchup that home field advantage would matter more than Red Sox Yankees? And uh, I mean, it's hard to quantify something like that, but it Rays, doesn't seem like there would be Rays Astros. The Astros yeah. love those Crawford boxes. The Rays yeah. love the trop. I don't know. It's like 200 feet to left field. I mean, this is going to come down to the ballpark's going to play such a big factor, I think, in the game tonight. There's I mean, yeah, be- Judge Judge and Stanton with oppo bombs and then Rizzo and Gallo with little lasers down the line. I mean, they, they, they've built a really good lineup for their home park. It's true. Yeah, part of it's just team fit. Part of it's just having your own fans back, of course, after the weird 2020 postseason played in other parks with partially filled stadiums. This is going to be a lot of fun to have the actual home fans back and probably as loud as they've ever been. We got one last question here. This one comes from Steven. In 2019, the Nats carried nine pitchers for the wildcard game. The Rays and Brewers, 10, and the A's, 11. Both the Yankees and Red Sox are carrying 12. Why? They have 26 spots. And how many useful position players could you have? But in what world do you need 12 pitchers? Uh, You don't. I don't think. I don't know. Um, I mean, in a world where, you know, each pitcher pitches to one bat. <laughs> oh, God, this game's going to go six hours. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's because of what Connor said in the chat. This 23-inning wild card game is going to be amazing. I, I think Major League Baseball would be thrilled. If this game takes 11 hours, they're going to be so happy because it's Yankees-Red Sox. You guys, I have a 6 a.m. flight to Houston tomorrow. This game could not. <laughs> well, Can we keep it to nine, please? You. Okay, nine innings, four and a half hours. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that, yeah, they're preparing for extra innings and it is an, it is interesting. Uh, what's interesting too, guys, is that both backup catchers are probably going to start tonight, right? Like Ploiecki is the Evaldi's personal catcher, right? Oh. And Gary Sanchez isn't going to start with Garrett Cole on the mound. So both of these, um, guys and their backup catcher. So if you're the Yankees, and that's you're why they're defense, carrying, that's also why they're carrying three catch. I mean, that you always carry three catchers, but like, you're probably going to have see the starting catcher sub in. Uh, as a pinch hitter at some point. But if you're going to put Velasquez at shortstop, like we talked about, and you have a backup catcher, the Yankees lineup is really like kind of up and down, right? Like it's really lethal in that top. There are outs. There part. are outs to, you can there get. There are outs yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I think the LeMahieu injury is, is kind of interesting because it pushes the Yankees further down the high-risk, high-reward, swing-and-miss sort of approach, right? He's one of their low strikeout guys. We talked about the Rays throughout the last postseason having too much swing-and-miss in their profile. The, the arrival of Wander, the addition of Nelson Cruz, that helps to change the complexion of their lineup. The Yankees kind of going the other direction, missing a key guy like LeMahieu. And I lied. There's one more question that I saw before that we didn't put on the screen. This is from Justin. <laughs> if Evaldi looks shaky early, how much margin does he have, given what we were just saying about that Boston bullpen? I mean, there's, I think there's zero margin. I mean, we were talking about taking Cole out early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And somebody somebody mentioned this. No, Sale is not on the, the roster. Um, as I said, I thought maybe he would be as like an option for an inning, but he's not. And so I think you would have... see Eduardo Rodriguez come in for mm-hmm. multiple innings if they take Evaldi out in the second or something. Yeah, that's a good point. They got Ryan Brazier, Hansel Robles, Tanner Hawk. Oh yeah, it could be. It could be how, but like I think how can Rodriguez with some sort of eye towards the handedness of what's because Hauk is another one of these low arm slot which you'd expect uh, lefties would have uh, would have better shot at. So you could use Hauk for if you saw a string of righties where he could walk some lefties and get through them. 
you would do Hauk, but if you thought you needed the Edwarder against the lefties, I think those two would give you bulk behind the Evaldi if, if they take him out early. This comment from Roger, the 2014 Royals World Series team is 21st in WRC+. Plus. That actual number, though, wasn't as bad as this Brewers team or that 95 Braves team. That's where that came from. We have seen you had a 92 WRC Plus for the Brewers? I think it was a 92 when I ran that search. I think that Royals team was just a, a little bit higher, but they were one of the more recent teams that won that were at least you know, bottom third of the league sort of offense. So it it has happened, but usually that's not a World Series winning team sort of profile. So, And also that Royals team, and I covered the Orioles on the other side of it, the Royals team had speed and power. They had all these, they had a million like bunt singles, tiny little balls that dropped in for hits. Alcides um, Escobar lighting himself on fire in the postseason. <laughs> yeah, and and they had that turbocharged bullpen, which not saying the Brewers don't, but at some point the, Bru- the Brewers, as deep as they are, still are going to miss Devin Williams. Yeah, there, There's going to be a point where Hunter Strickland comes in in the seventh or eighth inning, probably the eighth inning for some really Throws high leverage outs. Laser and, beam straight fastball that he's got. And we're going to put a heart monitor on me and see how much <laughs> internal damage is being done watching Hunter Strickland in that spot instead of Devin Williams because it would already be elevated. But it Let's is just hope it's Aaron Ashby instead. Oh, please, 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 please go with Aaron Ashby. So we did it. We got through our first playoff show. Thank you to all of you who joined us live. If you didn't make it live today, you can join us every weekday throughout the postseason. 11.30 a.m. Eastern is the start time. That's 8.30 a.m. here in the Pacific time zone on Twitter. You can find Eno at Eno Saris. You can find Britt at Britt underscore Giroli. You can find me at Derek Van Riper. The pod actually has a Twitter account, too, at Rates and Barrels. Be sure to barrel up the like button. I'm not going to say smash the like button. Barrel it up if you yeah. enjoyed this on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want to know when we go live for future events, including me maybe wearing a heart monitor watching Brewers playoff games. That might be fantastic video, but that is going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. Again, keep those questions coming in the chat. We can answer some of those maybe even after we sign off. Enjoy tonight's AL wildcard matchup. We are back tomorrow at 1130 Eastern. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.